Hi everyone, it's Gracie with Self Care with Gracie. I have an interview today with an amazing inspirational wellness practitioner named Franz Brunel. She started a company called Yume Wellness and we talk about Ayurveda and how to practice it in our day-to-day -day lives. Before I introduce Franz and we get into our interview, I wanted to just say a few things that have been going on with me of late. You have not heard from me in a little while, and that was somewhat unintentional. I didn't think I'm going to take a break from the podcast for a few months. And it's somewhat intentional because I actually have been pregnant with uh, my second child and going through the first trimester of the summer. In all honesty, it has not been an easy time. The, I expected that the second pregnancy would feel a lot like my first, where my first trimester I barely felt like I was pregnant. This was not the case the second time. Felt very nauseous and very tired and just emotionally like, um, like having a hard time. I don't know how to describe the feeling exactly, but it was just like I really was not excited about anything and felt very indifferent to a lot of parts of life that I'm not used to feeling indifferent around. What helped me a lot was just keeping the perspective that I was going through an extreme hormonal situation and that everyone says that the second trimester can be helpful. And now I am in my second trimester and I feel a lot better, I'm happy to say. And like I have energy and excitement for things like podcasting. So shout out to all the women out there who have ever gone through this pregnancy process because it is just, it's real, it's hard, it's um, kind of rocked me to my core this summer. And I know so many of us go out there and we don't talk about it. So that might be its own podcast episode someday, but for right now, I'll just say that I'm grateful to be back and I, I see all of you out there who are struggling and having a hard time right now in your, your own growth process, be it that growing a baby or just some other form of growth in your life right now. I also wanted to put a very time-sensitive offer out there into the world. I don't talk about this program that I run very often because I only open it up once a year. But there is a program called Generosity, which I've run for the past two years. And it's it's a group of women. It's very small. We have about anywhere between 12 and 18 women in the group. And they're all women at different stages of their life, different careers. Some are mothers, some are not mothers. And that we don't focus on the, you know, the like similarities we have in that way. We focus on what it means to just be a human being and to share our stories and to support each other through the, the ups and downs of the growth process and life. When I was pregnant and just feeling really to my max, I was like, oh yeah, I have this program that I run and I can ask these women for their support. And I, I, it's the way that it goes when I'm in the group that I'm just, I'm getting support and receiving support. We do some facilitation learning together as well. I, I love facilitation practice. I think it's a huge form of being able to spread our self-care to other people. So this next year, we're really gonna focus on how do we take our own self-care process and use that to tangibly help other people and be it in our own families, our workplaces, in our volunteer work, other parts of our life. It's, it's a group of women who we really just like celebrate each other and we see each other for each other's strength and we are not afraid to be vulnerable, even though it's hard sometimes. I don't want to make it sound easy because the vulnerability practice and community is exceptionally um, nuanced and I think powerful for growth. If you feel like being in a group helps you to grow, even if it is challenging for you, 
And if you feel like you just really need a supportive community of women so you can go to that next layer of growth in yourself, generosity might be the right fit for you. It, we start on September 1st and we'll go for a whole year. Once the doors are closed, they're closed because it's just a very intimate container to do this really deep self-care work. And a lot of the women from last year want to keep going. So there's only a few spaces left. But if you are interested, please write me at gracie at selfcarewithgracie.com or you can go to my website, selfcarewithgracie.com and just use the contact page. I'll get back to you and we'll set up a time to talk on the phone and I can hear a little bit more about what you're looking for and let you know if generosity coming up in this next year is a good fit. If you're listening to this podcast after the September 1st deadline has passed, then just keep it in mind for next year because it is my full intention that we'll just keep going together around the sun year after year because the growth and the support and the journey is so fabulous. So with that, I want to get into our episode for today. And as I said, it's with Franz Brunel. And Franz is a certified yoga teacher and an um, in-training Ayurvedic practitioner. And some of you all who listen to this podcast or are familiar with my work know that I love Ayurveda. Nothing makes me happier than geeking out with someone uh, about Ayurveda for an hour, which is what Franz and I did. Franz is the founder and editor-in-chief of Yume, which is an online platform that shows you how to personalize the way you approach self-care. And she has a unique blend of Ayurveda and the French way of life, which makes a lot of sense because she grew up in France and she was actually named after her own country, she says in her bio, and has also lived around the world as well and so now she lives in new york and she has created this platform to help you figure out your own mind body type and what i really like about franz's work is she does not use the sanskrit of ayurveda because i know that it can just be very confusing when we start to take this traditionally ancient indian practice and just put it on top of a western lifestyle and so i think franz is very much trying to demystify what it's about and show us what ayurveda can do for us so I really love this conversation and I'm really excited to share it with you. So without further ado. Hi, Gracie. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. Well, look, I'd like to start by hearing the journey of how you've arrived doing the work that you're doing now, helping people find more self-care and the, your unique Fran style of things. So how did you start to get where you are now? And, and then also, how did self-care kind of guide your journey along the way? Yeah. Um, so I started um, Yume initially to document what I was learning in my Ayurvedic school uh, because my friends that I, the friends that I was talking to were um, wanting, to, for, wanting to hear more and get more details on what I was uh, learning at school. Um, and for me, it was a good test to, to see if I could explain what I was learning, then that meant that I was truly assimilating it. Um, but everyone was just really curious to hear more details around how can they improve their digestion through Ayurveda? How can they sleep better? How can they eat in a way that's more uh, appropriate for their body type? Um, how could they um, exercise in a way that's really uh, beneficial for their constitution, etc. But they all had kind of that block of wanting to see it in a way that was more modern, um, that was in plain English and not Sanskrit, which all of the Ayurvedic texts are written in. Um, the tastes 
the the even the recipes, the Ayurvedic recipes are generally very Indian based, obviously because it's an Indian um, system of health. So they wanted to see it in a more um, kind of Western interpretation, displayed in contemporary plates using current color palettes and styles, etc. So basically, I kind of used my friends in the conversations that I was having with them, um, friends that are not so synced into the yoga community, actually, um, who were basically asking me to democratize the principles of Ayurveda so that they could apply them in their everyday life themselves. Um, and then another reason why I started Yume was also to kind of reconnect with my French upbringing and heritage. Sounds surprising, but there's actually a lot of similarities between uh, Ayurveda, which is Indian and 5,000 years old, uh, and the French culture. Obviously, you can suspect that there's lots, lots of differences between like the two diets. Like Ayurveda obviously doesn't recommend um, eating all of the gourmandise that are integral to the French diet, like foie gras, cheese, saucisson, and so forth. But there's an approach that's actually very intuitive, relaxed, gentle, even balanced, um, that are is very similar with Ayurveda. So kind of studying Ayurveda actually connected me back to my roots of approaching self-care and wellness in more of the French way, disregarding the actual diet itself. I feel like so much of our work right now in, in anything we're doing, it's like there's not a lot to create as much as I think to integrate. Like we have so much information that's available for us. And I think it can be really easy to get overwhelmed by that. And I, I get excited about like what you're doing. And when I see people who are taking like two seemingly very different thoughts, thought patterns and cultures, and then being like, no, actually look at what they have in common. Because I think once we can connect to like how different cultures practice wellness, that's, that's how we start to find like what's actually meaningful and what's survived time and is, is just kind of intuitive in us as well. Yeah. And there are different ways of, um, kind of like the French spin on Ayurveda can be more of an approachable spin it, from that point of view. Um, you know, the French don't do anything that's healthy if it's not delicious or if it's not beautiful. Um, and so kind of taking a, a flavor forward approach to um, a healthy diet is one of the results that came from merging those two um, uh, different origins together. I love the deliciousness aspect of things. Yeah, who doesn't, right? But I think like Ayurveda is all about actually sustaining or finding a way to have a sustainable, um, a, a healthy lifestyle that's actually sustainable on the long run because it's not about the short sprint but more of the marathon. And so, you know, it's, you know, living gluten-free your whole life is um, sustainable for some, but for a lot it's, scary and becomes something that you don't even try. Um, so it's one way to basically maintain health throughout your life. And this all feels so counter to what we learn, especially like in the United States, I think, where we're taught that like you can just drink a protein shake because that's healthier and you can just disregard your your body's intelligence of like what you need and don't need and just follow like what the, the person who has like blogging about health is talking about and um, and I, that has always just felt so off for me because I'm like, well, what, what about what about the deliciousness aspect of things? And what about like the information that my body is giving me? Like, I have no problem with gluten. Like, I've never had a problem with gluten. And for a while, I was like, am I supposed to be gluten free? Is that supposed to make me healthier? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. 
Well, why were you drawn to Ayurveda in the first place? It makes sense that you would understand about French culture because you were, you grew up in it. But what was it about Ayurveda that, that started to draw you in? Yeah, I think, I think Ayurveda was actually putting some guidelines and some explanations around what was intuitively imparted on me through the French culture in regards to how we approach wellness and diet. But um, overall, I actually... Um, discovered Ayurveda um, t- 11 years ago when I went to India to do a yoga teacher's certification in an ashram in the south. Um, and when I, at the time, I thought that Ayurveda was just a type of massage um, with, that you do with like that two people do with four hands, and it was like gentle stroking. And, and I just didn't really, I mean, I didn't understand at all that it wasn't um, only a massage and that massage is just a tool of Ayurveda. Um, and that it's actually a whole health system that's holistic and complex of its own. Um, but I basically connected back uh, with Ayurveda a year and a half ago um, as I was looking for solutions myself. Um, I had a bunch of little ailments that weren't big enough for Western doctors to care about in a significant or move the needle way. Um, but they were still a collection of things that really hindered my quality of life from you know high cholesterol to ex- eczema flare-ups to insomnia and d- tons of digestive issues. And so I basically tried all of the diet fads and the latest workouts. And after you know 10 years of doing that, I, um, I realized that there must, or I asked myself that there must be something that's actually more sustainable of a solution. And that's when I started exploring alternative medicines from acupuncture and discovered um, Ayurveda too. Um, and I figured that that was, I mean, I discovered it was a more holistic, long-term yet flexible approach. They're really not drastic about how they approach wellness. And that's something that was very appealing to me. Um, and that's basically how I found it. And so, um, after experiencing like significant improvements in my health, I decided to become an actual Ayurvedic practitioner, start my studies, and um, as I was learning and, and uh, throughout my studies, I, was, I basically decided to share my journey with um, mostly women like me. Um, and that's basically how I yeah, got drawn to it. Well, Ayurveda, as you said, it's like a 5,000-year-old science. And it's, 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 I think, holistic and complex is what you said. And I, from studying it, I agree, those things. that like It all does fit together and it gives so much self-knowledge. And it's so complex. There's so many elements to it that can feel out of sync with our modern lifestyle, especially in places like the United States. So how do you apply this really ancient esoteric wisdom to your daily lifestyle? in a way that makes sense for your self-care? Yeah, um, so there's many different ways that I apply it, um, but I think, um, does it it make sense to kind of uh, just describe a little bit about the tenets of Ayurveda first, or? Yeah, um, please. Yeah, no, yeah, so I mean, for those who have heard about it but don't really know what it is, Ayurveda, I also call it the traditional Indian medicine. We talk about traditional Chinese medicine, which actually is based off of Ayurveda. Um, And it's basically a a health and wellness system um, that at at its core believes that we find the state of balance and well-being by serving um, the unique and specific needs of our body rather than following one-size-fits-all solutions. And that's huge. 
Um, so the way that it helps us find balance is really by showing us how to customize our approach to self-care to our individual mind and body type. And so the mind and body type is what Ayurveda and Sanskrit calls um, the doshas, your do dosha constitution. As you'll notice, I don't use any of the Sanskrit words because that's part of democratizing Ayurveda for me. I use plain English because I wanted to make it as approachable as possible to people. Uh, but basically, Ayurveda believes that we're all born in one of seven mind and body types. Um, those mind and body types are different combinations of three energies air, fire, and earth, uh, which is what Ayurveda and Sanskrit calls uh, vata, pitta, and kapha. And so we all have some air, fire, and earth in us, but we're born with unique blends of those three, which end up influencing a lot of things, like our physical constitution, our emotional uh, behaviors, as well as mental characteristics. So um, I've got three sisters, and none of us, none of us are the same, uh, although we've got same parents, and we were uh, raised the same way. So... Um, Basically, according to that mind and body type, um, Ayurveda basically believes that we should eat, sleep, work out, take care of our skin differently from each other. So for example, and that's one way that I apply one of the principles of Ayurveda in my everyday is that um, for my mind and body type, which is the air type, it's represented by air. So there are people physically who tend to be underweight with dry skin, um, they tend to, they're very creative, speak very fast, um, are very adaptable, can, like the wind, move very fast from one spot to the other, uh, but they tend to often have a restless mind and a very sensitive digestion. So something that um, we were talking earlier about stepping away from one-size-fits-all philosophies around wellness, so all of those trends around drinking green juices 24 hours a day, eating raw salads, even dried nuts. Actually, like those are very popular in the wellness community, but they're actually counterindicated for people like me with the air, mind, and body type because it actually aggravates um, their already light and dry qualities, um, and it actually tends to throw throw them off balance, causing bloating, constipation, <laughs> insomnia, restlessness, aches, pains, and so forth. So um, I think one of the main ways that I've applied Ayurveda in my everyday, and that I tend to uh, tell people because, you know, through Instagram we hear about tongue scraping and oil pulling and blah, 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 but those are kind of Instagram worthy, but the core of Ayurveda is helping you find balance, and throughout our everyday life we're constantly, you know, if you've got your core in the center of your circle, the everyday pushes you out and uh, away from that core, and so Ayurveda through simple um, daily habits and diet helps you come back to more of the the core which is your when you feel the most balanced and good in your own skin um so that's that's one way um that i, I apply ayurveda to uh my everyday life and it's made a huge um huge impact uh basically helps you develop a more intimate understanding of why you are the way you are and it helps you understand your unique needs and what diet's really most suitable for you. Um, and that's, that's, that was a huge draw for me, at least. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing all that. I, I really love the way you broke it all down. And it, it is interesting because I think when a lot of people are drawn to self-care, particularly around something that feels very foreign like Ayurveda, we want like tips 
and steps and things that we can start to do. And, and I agree with you that some of the most profound learning that has helped my self-care that I've done through modalities like Ayurveda is by shifting the framework. And yeah. just even the, the frame of like, okay, like, like I'm not supposed to be like the person next to me and like, and what is it? Like, what is it in me that really needs to be nurtured? And like, how do I draw that attention inward and start yeah. to pay attention to it? We're, I've been taught for so long to keep my attention focused outwards and kind of the grind of things and keeping up and trying to be like everybody else. So that, that shift, it's subtle and it's so powerful for us to really start to like trust ourselves yeah. and pay attention to ourselves. Yeah, that's actually huge. I mean, that's also another thing I learned and I am still learning on how to tune into my body more. And it might sound, you know, corny or something, but it's true. Like Ayurveda is medicine of feeling versus knowing. Um, And so it's kind of the science of how we experience being alive. Um, It's like the art of self-sensing. And we actually use um, how we feel in our body right now to diagnosis what's happening inside um, and to then take decisions to uh, regain balance. So the different feelings we experience actually mean something and they yield a map of our body um, and it kind of gives you um, uh, data on the state of your body and your mind and you can use that information to balance yourself. Um, So, for example, an eczema flare-up, it means that your immune system is off balance. You know, if you're itching or burning, it means that there's some sort of inflammation. You're bloating, it means there's like fermentation in your gut and you've got poor digestion. You know, like acid reflux, you have lack of acids in, in your stomach and that prevents breaking down the foods and therefore for proper digestion. All of these are actually, your body is communicating to you. Um, and there might be small, like eczema, okay, it's small, who cares in the end, it doesn't, it's not a life-threatening condition that prevents you from going to work or having relationships, but it is a small indication that something is off balance. And um, uh, in Ayurveda, we basically learn to connect with what we're feeling um, and read our bodies before it actually commutatively becomes a disease after a while. Yes, yes. We like if we catch the imbalances when they're small and manageable and we just have to make a lifestyle shift, then we don't have to necessarily experience like when when the stages of disease get more advanced. And I think that's like what I see as being so hard in our medical system is the only time we ever seek help is when it's very hard to create any lifestyle correction and we have to like take measure to really treat, you know, with medicine and other aspects of Western medicine, which are very helpful, but I, I feel like we've just missed that preventative self-awareness healthcare that is so necessary to stay healthy. Completely. And I think people think that, that you know, when I tell my, you know, I come from a, a family where people are lawyers and bankers and so forth. And so when I tell people that I'm studying Ayurveda, the answer is like, oh, it's a woo-woo thing. Okay. It's, you know, that you, they think that you're um, kind of against Western medicine, but it's not at all that, that at all. It's not that at all. It's that the two should be complementary. One is preventative or for smaller ailments, and the other one is when you're sick and nothing else can work. Um, so, and that's actually one of the, the things that should probably, or is shifting in our society today, but where Western uh, physicians are recognizing the impact of preventative medicine, whether it's Ayurveda or something else. Uh, and that's huge. The two should work in, in tandem. And you as a patient or as a person um, should actually 
be the the person who makes those that connection between Western medicine and Eastern medicine because um, no one else is going to make it for you. Um, having said that, there are huge benefits of of doing um, those two in tandem. Mm. The Ayurvedic clinic where I've been in India a couple of times, a lot of the people that go there go there because they have really advanced stages of diseases that Western medicine won't treat anymore. And they go there as kind of like a last resort. And sometimes, you know, there's success and sometimes there's not. Uh, and when I went, I brought a retreat of people and he was like, there's nothing. The doctor is like, there's nothing wrong with your group. He's like everyone like there were little things that people were treating. But he was like, he's like, this is why when people should come and get treatment is when there's nothing wrong with you, like to do the preventative things, um, to get all the massage, to take the herbs, to strengthen your immune system. And yeah, it's like, so not how people even, you know, will take the time to do something like an Ayurvedic cleanse or retreat, which is really what we need to be doing as preventative medicine as well. Which is understandable. I mean, you know, it's time, it's money out of your day. We're all trying to balance everything that's happening in our lives. So um, it's hard. But I think as as much as we can instill small habits um, that don't cost us so much time or money or effort, uh, the more we can we can prevent uh, the stronger stuff. Yes, yes. Well, you've mentioned this phrase that I really am interested in, which is about like how, how to make Ayurveda more democratic. And, and I'm curious what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a few things. Um, I think around a few things around communication first. I mean, the way people, and I mentioned this a little bit, but the way people are told about Ayurveda right off the bat is by hearing terms like vata, pitta, Kapha, Panchakarma, Abhyanga, Ashwagandha, you're like, what? And so for the average person who's trying to balance everything in her life, having to like learn a new language to understand a system of health, as great as the system of health um, is said to be, is not really realistic. Um, so one, using English instead of Sanskrit to refer to anything relating to Ayurveda, um, from the mind and body types to... Um, to the daily practices like Abhyanga, self um, oral massage, uh, and so forth is something that I've seen as being um, instrumental at actually um, kind of uh, compelling people to discover Ayurveda or actually get interested in it at least. Um, and then the, the, the other thing is the things people are told about Ayurveda um, so, you know, you're told about tongue scraping, self-massaging, oil pulling, um, all of those sound cumbersome and woo-woo. Um, and so as a result, kind of people are missing out on the benefits of Ayurveda, I, I find, um, when in the, the true benefit is really just to kind of understand your true nature, understand your type, and figure out how to eat properly and, and care for it properly in a way that's actually suited for it, as opposed to what the, your favorite blogger's doing. Um, so the, but then most importantly, the, the way the, what I mean by democratizing Ayurveda is that it's, uh, mostly about aligning to the most fundamental characteristic of Ayurveda, which is the fact that it's a folklore medicine or a medicine of the people or, or DIY medicine. Um, so when we're, when we were, we're in the process of bringing it to the West, um, most people are kind of, we, we see it as an elevated, uh, or we see it 
through elevated uh, practices in fancy spas or even holistic or expensive holistic doctors. But in, in, in fact, it's actually uh, supposed to be medicine of the people. Um, and um, it's, not, it's actually not a medicine for the experts, but for the common person, the average Joe. Um, its purpose is for everyone to really understand it. Not, it's not necessarily reserved for experts, but everyone. Um, it used to be passed down from grandma to grandchild. Um, and at, when we're taught um, at school to, uh, throughout our training to become practitioners, we're actually told that we're mostly going to be teachers. We're going to be teaching people how to apply small things in their everyday to feel better. Um, whether it's through diet, through herbs, or lifestyle changes. Um, and so from a Western point of view, um, the anatomy is really for the professional, the doctor. We go to see the doctor. We kind of hand off um, the responsibility or figuring out what's wrong with us to the doctor, and we kind of expect him to give him a, for him to give us an answer or almost for him to almost do it for us, uh, but really it's our um, own responsibility to take care of our body. No one can really do it for us. And um, the the doctors, the massage therapists, the acupuncturists, and all of the kind of healthcare providers that we go to uh, can help us uh, figure out how to do it, but ultimately it's our responsibility. And so Ayurveda really gives us those tools to reclaim ownership and responsibility over our wellness. Uh, because it's a model for everyone. It's one that presents the body in a way that anyone can understand it. Uh, it teaches you how to self-assess, what I was telling you about earlier around uh, uh, listening to your the signals that your body's sending um, so that we can bring it back into balance with simple diet and lifestyle changes. Um, I think the one thing I the it makes me think of what the Dalai Lama said around what amazes him most about the modern humankind when he said it's that famous quote you probably know it which he says we spend our health to make our wealth and then we spend our wealth to recuperate our health um, and so with Ayurveda we don't we're not supposed to need to spend our wealth to recuperate our health because most of what we can do to regain balance and avoid disease is really free we just have to understand how to do it yes. And I think that we, it, it creates so many blocks for us when we think like, oh, I don't have time. Like, and I hear that a lot with people with self-care, like, I really want to do it. I don't have time or I don't have money, I think are the things that start to pop yeah. up in our head when we think about taking care of ourselves. And so to have something like the people's medicine, which I just love that so much. Yeah, it, it does. But I, I think just honoring the challenge of that, too, that it puts the power back in our own hands. And I think there's something in us as, as independent human beings that we want that, we really crave it, but that it's also really terrifying because so many of us have been really believing the story our whole life that somebody else is going to come and just save us. And I think this happens around our health. It happens around finances. Um, and just to be like, no, like I'm the person I've been waiting for. And it's up to me to like start to look at what's happening here and create some discipline and find a system that actually works for me and start to pay attention to myself. And I think that there's, there, it's kind of a painful process too in realizing that we have the power as well. Yeah, for sure. It is definitely scary. And that parallel between, um, with financial, uh, with finances is the, exactly the right one. Um, and so, and we, yeah. And I mean, every most people are trying to do that. You know, they, 
they're already looking at different um, healthcare providers from the massage therapist to the Western doctor going through the acupuncturist to actually feel better and find ways to, to, to balance, to get back into balance. But we've, we've become so disconnected from our bodies that we can't read those signals anymore. And so as a result, we definitely give the authorship or the control to, um, to someone else by just taking the advice from someone else. But the, the, sometimes they're, I mean, you know, the healthcare providers are extremely trained and they're amazing, but they're not in our bodies. And so they can't sense the, the small signals that actually mean something more significant than we think. Mm. Well, in, in the spirit of, of helping someone who doesn't know that much about Ayurveda, is curious and doesn't feel like they have the time or money to start to make some of these lifestyle shifts, but once, once what we're talking about, like this people's medicine ability to like sense into your body and what you need, what little shifts and habits uh, could you recommend that someone could start to incorporate more of the self-care into their lives? Yeah, sure. Um, the So there's, there's loads of things that we can do, um, but there's the ways to apply Ayurveda in our life that um, doesn't require much money or time. Um, they all basically requires us to, to tailor our current habits to what we need uh, as a unique individual as opposed to in store new habits because I've heard a lot about um, from people from friends who've seen Ayurvedic practitioners and like yeah they were great but they asked me to start scraping my tongue every day and dry brushing and oral massaging and cooking food from scratch every day etc and it just sounds cumbersome and so kind of in storing new habits is way harder than kind of tailoring our current habits. So everything that I'm going to focus on here is about tailoring our current habits to uh, what we need ourselves as unique individuals. And so the first one I've already touched upon it, which is eating according to your mind and body type. That's pretty huge. Um, Digestion from an Ayurvedic standpoint is really at the cornerstone of feeling of health and of feeling your best self because when you di- when you have good digestion you make good blood and the good blood is able to feed organs properly and therefore your tissues and your organs function at their best plus your mood and your mind are at their highest potential we know that the second brain and um, is in the is in the, the digestive system um, Having said that, without even knowing it, most of us actually eat foods that are not suited to our unique mind and body type. The examples I was telling you about earlier, I'm an air mind and body type, and I used to eat raw salads all the time and wondered why I was bloated and gassy. Um, And so once I started eating nourishing, warm, moist, cooked foods, it all went away. Um, so there are super simple shifts that we can do, and you can go on my website and take the mind and body quiz, um, which will kind of give you an indication of your type. Obviously, it's not a replacement to going to see an Ayurvedic practitioner who takes your pulse, looks at your tongue, and asks you um, loads of questions, uh, but it gives you a first, um, it's a, a starting point, which is helpful uh, to most people. Um, uh, then the second, so that's the first one. Um, the, there's actually a, a quote from Lucretius who says, 
one man's medicine is another man's poison, and that's huge in Ayurveda. So, you know, it's not because your friend can wake up and drink a celery juice every morning that you can or that, you know, it'll go well for, for your body. The second is make lunch the biggest meal of the day. So this really requires no money and no time. You're eating lunch anyway. Uh, but we've kind of all heard the saying of eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. That in Ayurveda, we actually um, think that that approach to meal parting is actually inc- incompatible because um, lunch is actually the time of day when our di- digestion is at its strongest because the sun is at its strongest. So anywhere between 11 and 1 is the prime time for eating lunch. Um, and we think of breakfast as easing into the day while dinner is easing into the night's sleep. So it's important to keep those meals light, especially, I mean, definitely breakfast, but especially nighttime. And that actually takes me to the third tip, which is, and it it tends to not be super popular, uh, but it's to sleep before 10. Um, So that's, um, or 10 to 10.30. And the main reason why is because we all get a second boost of energy at 10 p.m. at night. You know, when you just got back from work, it's 7 p.m., you hang out on the couch by 7 or 8, you start to have a, um, a, you, a lose of energy, you're sleepy. And then um, if you watch TV and it's 10, 10, 30, 11, you start to have a second boost of energy and decide to make do your dishes, clean your house, do your Excel sheet that you haven't done in forever or, or whatever. Um, that's the second boost of energy that's actually meant for the body to detoxify itself. So you don't want that energy to be used by the mind instead of the body for cleansing. Uh, you want to be in bed um, and try to sleep before 10, 10, 30. Um, actually, when you know your mind and body type, there are specific mind and body types that require more or less sleep than others. Um, so we're all a combination of air, fire, and earth. Um, so if you're air or air and fire or air and earth, you actually need quite a bit of sleep. Um, but those people actually tend to sleep the least because they experience insomnia, rest, restlessness when off balance. And actually, our, our modern society is has a predominant imbalance of air, uh, where our uh, you know the overproductivity, the buzzing of cities, um, the overscheduled um, to-do lists, etc., are kind of seen as um, are or uh, what's it called, uh, are celebrated, uh, but really um, we should all kind of be a balance of air, fire, and earth. And so basically a lot of people are going to be experiencing, or we know that a lot of people experience today um, sleep issues. So sleeping or at regular times uh, closer to 10 is definitely something that can start being instilled in, in a routine. I mean, on Saturday nights, you don't hear the birds chirping at midnight just because it's Saturday night. Uh, unfortunately, we're like babies. We're just grown-up babies, but we still do benefit from easy-to-digest foods, a regular routine, and a lot of sleep, unfortunately. Uh, fire, mind, and potty types can function properly without as much sleep, but they tend to burn the midnight oil, um, often because they're driven by a lot of ambition. Um, and then the earth types are actually the ones who sleep the most, but would actually benefit from sleeping the least, um, especially waking up earlier for those guys, because um, they tend to be um, prone to lethargy and um, be, uh, experiencing a feeling of being stuck. Mm. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. I think of all the Earth types I know out there, and they love their sleep. Yeah, and they are very good sleepers. And as air type, I'm very envious of how they sleep. I know, I know. So it, it's always such a balance with Ayurveda to look at what the you know what we notice and what we how we notice we feel good, and then to also kind of notice where we go out of balance. And that one of the Ayurvedic teachings that's so powerful for me is like, you know, imbalance craves more imbalance. And that idea that like if yeah. you're if you're if you're kind of like your air is out of balance, uh, then you're gonna start to be like I'm gonna stay up a little bit later, and or if your fire's out of balance, like I'm gonna get more done. And what we really need to do in those moments is to catch ourselves and be like I'm kind of going out of balance. I'm gonna go to bed, and that's why I love having like the ten o'clock time. That was hard for me when I first started practicing Ayurveda, but I it's so ingrained in my lifestyle now that like I I think about staying up later. I'm like I just couldn't. Like my body is just so ready to sleep. Yeah. I think like I also think of it like oh I'm missing my window type of thing so it kind of pushes me to get to bed earlier um, so I'll sleep better I'll fall asleep way faster and I'll sleep better throughout the night if I start sleeping earlier I just wake up earlier so you're not losing time you're just shifting your time allotment <laughs> yes yeah and it's it's like you just got to practice it to believe it because I never thought I could be a morning person I never thought I would go to bed early like I just had a lot of blocks about my identity and then now I'm like, nope, I'm I am on early to bed, early to rise. I also have a toddler, so I don't have a lot of choice sometimes in the early yeah. to rise part. But that's a motivation. You know you're going to be up early. so <laughs> Seriously, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting just to notice myself when I don't do it. I had a big family dinner last night that was late. We ate a lot of food. We got home late. And I did not sleep well last night. It did not feel good when I went to bed. I did not feel good when I woke up this morning. So it's just powerful to notice, like, okay, when I'm not doing it, like, how does that make me feel? And I'm, like, very excited to get to bed early tonight. Yeah, I bet. I bet you'll sleep well. I think one thing to that is also, like, um, you know, we can we can give a, a list of things to do, but uh, I think Ayurveda really preaches do moderation and excess and excess in moderation. And I thought that was really nice where you do moderation in excess. So, uh, you know, if you want to go out a few nights and and have a, a good time out, go for it. You know, like if you want to go and have a big dinner, you'll have a big dinner. You'll know that you won't sleep as well. But I mean, I think it's also about giving um giving yourself a break and allowing yourself to have those moments where you're not regimented and um, kind of ruled under the guidelines of what to do uh, because again it's more around it's a marathon game rather than a sprint and um, in order it's overall there are overall healthy habits that and small habits that are instilled in lifestyle but they don't necessarily um, um, kind of um, disallow or not allow the the exceptions so to speak yes when I first started practicing Ayurveda was about five years ago I have to say I was not a lot of fun to be around during that time I was very militant I like would like we have to eat by five like it has to be light like soup at five o'clock and like I was dating somebody at the time and I, I think he was like what is this woman doing <laughs> But I, I needed to really ingrain it for myself, I think. And then as I, it's been really cool to like have a baby and kind of go through all these big lifestyle changes to be like so many things I had to let go of my morning routine and so many kind of particularities yeah. I had. And then to be like, no, Ayurveda still works. It's like just these habits and philosophies I can go back to just to have a framework around like, all right, 10 o'clock to bed. I'm going to shoot for that. But I, I think that there's something powerful and 
and letting ourselves just be human and also recognizing that we live in a culture that is not practicing these principles. So it's like my family was not going to get together on Thursday for a big lunch. It was like, we're going to have a dinner because that's what people do in our culture. And just to give ourselves grace in the moments that sometimes we just need to kind of have social interactions and that we can, we can be okay. Yeah, exactly. But what's interesting is, yeah, you're totally right. The culture is not at all. I mean, we we live in a culture that's counterproductive for our own wellness and health. Uh, we eat the food combinations like that are not great for our digestion. We don't sleep. We are overstressed, etc. I don't need to make the list. Everyone knows it. But um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, our oh, society. What, yeah, what I was going to say is that we actually, but since I've been um, practicing some of those uh, Ayurvedic principles, um, I've actually um, naturally had a, a bunch of friends to adopt the same things. So when we're out and, you know, we've, we've been drinking a few glasses of wine, I finish you know, the third one, I'll say, I won't have that whiskey or that wine. I'll actually have a hibiscus tea. And then you all of a sudden, there's like half of the table that orders it as well. You've kind of give permission to people to take care of themselves. And you're, uh, and it's like my behavior becomes a friendly reminder that we can do that and that it actually might feel good and it's okay to do it. I love that. Yes. Self-care spreads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you about challenging life moments, because I think when, when we're practicing self-care, everything is going well, it can feel really great. And then, you know, we lose our job or we go through a bad breakup or we have a big life moment. And I think those are the moments where people can really lose a lot of their self-care. So I'm curious, like, how, how do you look at self-care during challenging moments? And are there any specific ways that you advise people to, to keep their self-care steady during harder moments of life? Yes, that's, that's actually interesting. Um, I mean, when I experience, or when most people, but I'll speak for myself, um, when I experience challenging moments, I experience them as being offsetting and disorienting. Um, it's usually a moment where something's changing or something's stuck. Um, and for me, um, self-care in the format of either yoga or cooking for myself or sleeping early actually becomes um, a way for me to ensure that my physical base, so my body is strong enough to support my mind and heart and during those tough times. So to kind of support them as they're going through the challenging moments, because usually, at least for now until, um, until now, the challenging moments have been more emotional or psychological for me. Um, so it kind of brings me comfort because self-care um, is part of my routine so I know I can expect a moment of care every day um, and so when everything's going in all the directions that I can't control it's kind of the only thing I can control um, and I think it all basically ladders back to uh, instilling a routine and being extra careful to sink in with nature at that moment um, so I'll just be militant like you were at the beginning during challenging moments i'm just very militant about eating at the same time um going to bed before 10 doing yoga or at least uh, pranayama or meditation in the morning um saying no to social things without guilt and really instoring a routine when it comes to sleep and eating because our body loves um the routine but our mind loves the freedom so our mind hates routine uh, but some, but actually the, the routine allows us to, um, 
to find comfort and to be, yeah, to be comfortable enough to actually surmount anything that we're, we're living, whether it's, um, positive or negative. Um, the, even actually Obama says, um, kind of what he has a quote around like habits freeze, freeze the mind, um, or habits makes life easy. And so I think in, in hard moments for me, habits are sounds boring but um i just go become militant about my habits uh, about the stuff that i know will make me feel at least better than i feel currently I, I i've heard it said before that the more that you resist routine the more you need it that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. So, like your feelings about routine the people who don't want it like it's like a good sign that you yeah. could use it and we are like little children like our psyches are yeah. that we like we need to be disciplined and i I have a routine for my son because he feels so much better when he's on a routine, even if he fights bedtime or whatever the thing we're trying to do in the moment. And mm-hmm. so I, I think it's helpful to look at ourselves like we're little kids sometimes. And like a little kid going through a challenging moment needs more routine and more structure and more grounding. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me, oh, but you must be super disciplined. And it's not necessarily. I think it's, um, you know, I mean, there are a few guidelines of what you should do, you know, bed before 10, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I just put reminders in my calendar. So my calendar, my past self is giving me orders the day of or the night of. It's like the calendar is 930. Stop using your phone. Go to bed. Like things like simple things where I don't have to constantly think about it. I've just set up a system that tells me what to do at certain times. Yes. I love it. Just like set and forget. <laughs> exactly. And that way I don't have to stress out about and, and always kind of feeling in control and not being able to relax. And I think this is also the distinction about like the people's medicine. It's like if you're doing this for yourself because you're like, I know I feel really good when I do this. It's so different than like I should. Like I should be going to bed early. Like friends told me I should do it, so I should do it. So that's why it's like we have to experiment with this stuff and see why it's powerful for us. And then we're giving it to ourselves as a gift rather than making it one more thing to do during a hard moment of life. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, yeah, totally. I think there's like... There's a few things around, um, yeah, understanding why also like really helped me. So understanding that I have a second wind of energy after 10 and that if I don't go to bed, you know, during that time, then it'll be way harder for me to fall asleep around 11 or 12. Um, so understanding how the body functions and why I think it's helpful. It's like when people tell you to, you know, when you wake up in the morning, drink hot water with, with lemon salt, it's like, okay, why? Like, yeah, you know, you should do it, but at at least knowing the why for me has really helped actually, um, do it. So for example, we know hot water, um, and lemon or lime in the water. So like the sour taste actually has a specific reaction on the body where like everything puckers, your eyes, your your mouth waters, but also the organs inside your body actually pucker and that contraction actually brings moisture to your body, so specifically to your digestive system. And so that's why we suggest drinking a cup of hot water with lemon first thing in the morning to rehydrate your system and kind of get your um, bowel movements going, which is huge in Ayurveda. Um, so just understanding the why behind the should makes the should a I want to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I always like to ask the the guests on the show this question because it's it's like we're talking about self care and but what is it what does it mean for you? What is your definition of self care, friends? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my definition, I would say that self-care for me is uh, kind of freeing myself from the pains, the aches, the negative thoughts, the fears that kind of prevent me from being myself and contributing my best. So it's kind of like self-care is kind of giving the world the best of you rather than what's left of you. Oh, I love that. That's I've never heard that one before. But that is like we do this as a form of being able to like show up the most fully that we can. Yeah. Yeah, that's that always goes back to the, my central philosophy around self care that it's not selfish, that it's how we help other people. And exactly. mm-hmm. yeah, 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 you show up in a way more positive way and you, you're able to contribute uh, a ho- whole lot more if your cup isn't empty, right? Completely. Uh, well, it's been so great to have you. I really loved our conversation. I, I love geeking out a little bit about Ayurveda. It's, it's wonderful. And it's, I, I really appreciate your vision and the way you're teaching it to the world. Well, thank you for inviting me. I loved our chat too. How do, um, how do listeners stay in touch with Yume and the work that you're doing around how to make Ayurveda more democratic and how to, how to you know, look at the connections between French culture and Ayurveda? Sure. They can um, go on my website, which is liveyume.com, L-I-V-E, like living, liveyume.com, or um, follow me on Instagram. I share tips on my stories daily. Um, On the website, you can take the quiz to figure out what your Ayurvedic mind and body type is. There's tons of delicious 30-minute recipes you could do on a weekly, for weeknights, nothing crazy, uh, complicated, like practical tips for improving your digestion or even daily practices for, for a radiant skin or even a, a, a sound mind. So there's a bunch of different things. There's also a no-nonsense guide to Ayurveda if you want to deep dive more into the topic um, and understand all of the different um, uh, pillars of the, the system. Awesome. That sounds wonderful. Well, check out Franz's work. And again, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your vision with us. It's been wonderful to to talk about. So thank you. Thank you, Gracie. All right. And I want to say bye-bye to everybody out there. Um, and just, as, you know, take a moment after this conversation to think about, like, are you practicing somebody else's version of self-care or... Are you kind of going through that difficult but necessary step of really looking at what works for you, what doesn't work for you, who are you? Uh, You can call it Ayurveda if you want to, or you could call it just living in balance with yourself. So I I invite you to use this conversation as a way to start to look a little deeper at what works for you, the why behind what works for you, and then how to practice it, not just during moments of, of pleasure in your life, but during the challenging ones as well. So please stay in touch with me, and I will look forward to continuing the conversation next time. All right, bye, everyone. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.